uh, you may be seated. Um, what I've tried to do is to pack our core our core activities for today, which is the word, to take all that first before I make any announcement or do any other thing. Hallelujah. So, um, if you can, just uh, bear with us till the end of session three so we have all our announcements and everything else. But for now, we'll go back into the word. So what have we got? So that's why we're here, the Word of God. So we've had an introduction to the Bible, which is um, establishing the various ways in which God spoke to his people. But then in the last days, God is busy speaking to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. Hallelujah. So if God is speaking to us through Jesus Christ, he's definitely speaking to us through the scriptures. Amen? And then we looked at the integrity of God's word. That God's word is not like the word of a man that can fail. The word of a man to you can fail for many reasons. Maybe lack of resources or lack of willingness to do it. I may have a thousand pounds, but I may not just want to give it to you. So I've got a resource, but I'm not willing. But God has demonstrated his willingness and he has the resource. Hallelujah. So the next thing we're going to look at is grace, God's free gift to us. Here we are examining his resource base. Hallelujah. And this is going to help us in our prayer lives to channel our prayers right and also after you've prayed it will also help you to see things the way God expects you to see them hallelujah let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 I'll be reading from verse 1 chapter 2 verse 1 it says And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, ha we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of the flesh of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and when by nature the children of wrath even as others but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us you see past tense he quickened. Not he will quicken. Not he is busy quickening us. 
he hath quickened us together with Christ. So when did this happen? Like over like over two thousand years ago, when Jesus was quickened, right? That is when God deemed us to have been quickened as well. So it means that you were quickened even before you were born. Do you understand that? Then he says that by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. What Paul was doing here by revelation, I mean he had that revelation, but what he was writing here to us is that, look, something happened in the past and all the entire human race was deemed by God to be a part of that sequence of events. When I say entire human race, I mean those who are saved and those who are not saved. Right? Those who are born before that day and those who are yet to be born after that day. So it spanned everybody right from coming all through from Adam till the child that is going to get born tomorrow that all of us were quickened together with Christ. And he raised us up together. So when Jesus Christ was being raised from the dead, he wasn't the only one who was raised from the dead, but all of us were raised together with him. That's what the Bible was saying there. Then the last part, he said, he then made us to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God did all that work. So when Jesus was going through those phases, Satan thought it was just Jesus, but did not know that there was a wisdom that God was using that caused the entire human race to be inside Jesus when those things were happening to Jesus. So when he was being nailed to the cross, that was us being nailed with him. When he was being raised from the dead, that was us being raised with him. When he was being made to sit in heavenly places, that was us being made to sit with him. And Jesus said, as he is, so are you in this world. So do you understand? Now, let me just give you the relative distance between you and Satan. Just to know that we have overrated Satan for a very long time. You see, when the Bible says he made them to sit together, what's the picture that comes to your mind? A chair. And 
you know, you have this picture of, you know, maybe like Jesus sitting on one chair and then all the rest of us, we all have our chairs and we're seated around him so because we are sitting together with him. But he goes far more than that. When you sit in the spirit realm, it means that you are occupying a place of authority. When they say you are sitting, then also, if you go through the Ephesians prayer, we'll read it later on, but I'll just quote part of it. Paul was praying. He says that he will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power of god's power which he wrought in christ when he raised him up from the dead hallelujah And then he is seated far above. Now the word far above in the Greek means infinitely above. So if I say, okay, I want to go somewhere. I say, oh, it's very far. Okay, is it as far as Manchester? That's finite. So there's a finite distance between here and Manchester. So, I say, so it's just a matter of being relative now. You think it's far, I don't think it's far. But the far that was used in that scripture means that you if you start traveling today all through eternity you will not cover the distance that is how far satan is from your level yeah. that we are seated far above with him with him we are seated with christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion so the prophet is seated that is born again is seated far above satan the teacher that is born again is seated far above all principalities and you the believers you are seated far above all principality and powers the question is, how come a few people can wield that power and the rest of us are ball watching? It's because our eyes need to be opened to it. Hallelujah. So, God is not coming to give you a power you don't have already. What God will do about the power situation in your life, he did over 2,000 years ago. Do you understand? You are not missing any power right now. All that happened is that you are not just aware that it is there. It is like you moving to a house. That 
house is already wired up from the electricity board and then you pick the phone and you are calling this electricity board give me some power but all you needed to do was to realize that the power was already there and you just flick it on so grace is the power that has already been sent to your house faith is your switch that you use in flicking the power on but when you are flicking the power on you are not asking the electricity board give me some power give me some power give me some power no the power is already there you are only just turning it on with a switch bam and the power begins to benefit you hallelujah grace is what god has already done for you faith is what is used in bringing it into manifestation but you need to understand that god did some things for you in past tense that must remain past tense if you are to enjoy the benefit first peter 2:24 what does he say tell me students of the word we have what we were healed did you see that we were healed we were healed past tense he already did it so when we come to pray what do we do lord i thank you because your word says that by your stripes i have already been healed lord i receive what you have already done now in the name of jesus i lay hold on it now and it is mine in jesus name because god has already what done it let us look at one other aspect of life blessings for instance we look at somebody who is doing well what do you say you say ah that guy is blessed right ah god really blessed that guy i mean look at him when he put his hand into this thing he's working he puts his hand into that thing ah god really blessed him and when you get home you now go to say god bless me no that's the wrong prayer let's look into the scriptures ephesians chapter one and now we are hearing jesus this is jesus now speaking to us ephesians chapter one verse three actually i have to flip my own bible too now <coughs> ephesians chapter one verse three says blessed be the god and the father of our lord jesus christ who hath past tense again did you see that blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ jesus who asks so the prayer is not god bless me as much as i am pressurized to manifest the blessings of god the prayer is lord i thank you because i am already blessed now open the eyes of my understanding 
to see the next step to take. But as far as far whether you are blessed or not, that question was answered way before any of us here was born. So we don't have any problem at all with will God bless me? It's too late because he has already blessed you. Will God heal me? It's too late. He has already healed you. You understand? What was being prayed for under the Old Testament has been achieved in Christ Jesus. The work has been finished. So even if you are praying that God heal me, Jesus cannot come down from where he is a second time and hang on the cross for your own special order. He already did it for all of us one time. So take it. That is grace. And when I say he did it, remember none of us was around when it was done. So we didn't work for it. We didn't deserve it. So prayer is wrong when you are saying that, Lord, you see what I have done. Based on this, give me that. Because what you are supposed to be praying about is what God has already given to you. Even before you had the intelligence to think about it. Before all of us here was born, in the two, over 2,000 years ago, those matters were settled. Hallelujah. So the question is no longer, will God heal me? The issue is, God has already done it. I need to take hold of it. So faith is drawing what grace has provided into manifestation. So when you are speaking the word of God, you are not speaking to make something happen. You are speaking something that has already happened into manifestation. So it's not a case of as you are speaking it, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Then you check whether it has changed. No. It is already done. So I'm saying what has already happened. But even though it has already happened in the spirit realm, I have not seen it in the natural yet. But I then keep saying it, acknowledging that it has already happened and walking in the mentality that it has already happened and then one day, pop, you see it. What did God say to Abraham? He says, I have made thee. He didn't say, I will make you. Pay attention to the tenses. Anytime you are reading your New Testament, especially the epistles, most of them past tense. He says, I have already made you a father of many nations. Hallelujah. So it means that he was walking in the mentality of what God had already done, not what God was going to do. Do you see the paradigm shift here? 
It is about what God has already done, not about what I want to beg God to do. God is not going to make any special order. He has already covered your case. Over 2,000 years ago, he covered your case fully. Everything you can ever think of today that constitutes a need had already been answered in Christ Jesus. So why are we so far from the reality of these things in our lives today? It is revelation. When your eyes are opened to see by the Spirit of God that this thing is already done and it is yours and you begin to walk in that reality before you know what's happening your physical life will conform to it do you understand we got married 1996 and well a whole long story we can't tell here but the issue was that there was no child yet but you see, because I've been getting into this, you know, kind of, you know, kind of revelations that, look, it's something God has already done. Not what I want to beg him to do. So for that reason, I said, if it is true that God has already done it, I then want to walk and carry myself as though God has already done it. Do you understand? For that reason, you would hardly catch me raising prayer points and stepping out for prayer on that subject. I'm not saying it is wrong for you to step out on that subject. I'm, I didn't say so. All I'm saying is that I saw it, that it was already mine and i took that step of faith bam that if it is mine then it is mine and i carry myself as though it is mine in my mentality i carried myself as though i had children even though i didn't have hallelujah so i hardly started a discussion with anybody else from the viewpoint of I'm looking for a child to have. You know, that's how they say it in my language. You are looking for a child. No, you already have it. It is already yours. You already have it. So, for that reason, it meant that if there was nothing to say in the positive about it to you, I will not say anything about it. So, be and because I had already settled it with God, that is mine. I already have it. So I hardly discussed it with people. You know when I meet with people, they will wait. I won't this guy talk about it? If I, there was one pastor, his wife was coming to London, he told his wife, he said, look, when you see Shola, till the last day, just be watching out if he's going to talk about it. The last time you see him before you come, if he doesn't talk about it, talk about it. Do you understand? Now, I respect all of them. Don't get me wrong. And you must not get into spiritual pride about it. 
Year after year, I got a prophecy. In Jesus' name, it is this year. Thus saith the Lord, it is this year. Look, year after year. Look, if I didn't have the word of God, I would have fallen apart like a $2 suitcase. Because when the greatest man of God says to me that it is this year, and it did not happen this year, boy, your faith will leak. Your faith will leak. And then you get messed up internally. I thank God for the prophecies as they were coming. Yes, amen in Jesus' name I receive. But as they go in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you because I already have it. And I was not watching the clock. All I just remember was that year after year, the prophecy kept coming, is this year, is this year, is this year. But Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. The scriptures. That's your sure word of prophecy. That's Jesus speaking. And when Jesus has spoken, the boss has spoken. Hallelujah. When the news came that we had a child, I told one pastor, the guy said, no, 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 he can't be right. How can you say you are just having a child? I came to your house the other day. So I asked him, I said, did you see any children? He said, I saw your living room scattered with books. So I thought it was your children that scattered the books there and had gone to bed. I said, really? He said, it didn't occur to him. that it, it, Now it's coming to him as a shock that we didn't have it. I said, but why did you think I had children. He said, because I don't see it on your face. You didn't look it. Do you understand? When you know that you've already received it, what do you do? You start thanking God. You start rejoicing because it is mine. You get excited because it is yours already. Come. Take. What do you begin to do? And you begin to rejoice. Why? <laughs> so in prayer, don't worry, God will not take it back from me. <laughs> so in prayer, when you have received it from God, the next thing you do is begin to thank him. And just begin to praise him. Why? Because you already have it. Let me tell you another one that was funny. One woman came. She had the challenge with her husband. So they came to her house just about the time when he was pregnant. And the man raised his voice. And the woman said, shh, the children are sleeping upstairs. And you see... They didn't ask me that do they have children or do you have children or I just told them we don't lie. The way it is is the way it is but God has already done it. So the guy didn't ask me. I didn't say anything. So when the text came we have child said what? <laughs> the honest truth is that you don't owe anybody the obligation of talking about your life. You don't owe anybody that obligation. So I just go as everything is fine. 
If I need help, I will call. If I need to go into the world, I will go into the world. If I need counsel, godly counsel, I will ask for it. But until then, I am cool. I mind my business. And that's the way you should live spiritually. Don't announce yourself as a victim everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Because the God that is on the inside of you has given all that you need. All you have to do is discover it and lay hold of it. And when you start walking in that reality, in that consciousness, there is an aura that will exude out of you. David was walking in that consciousness. Do you know what it means? A Goliath. Do you know how tall Goliath was? The soldiers, trained soldiers, could not face him. Then a little boy turns up and says, ah, Who are you running away from? Goliath. Ah, ah, that thing. I will finish him. What will you give to whoever finishes him? And they looked at him and said, You are just full of pride. And guess what? He, they took him all the way to the king. And he repeated the same thing to the king. But guess what? They did not believe he could do it, but there was an aura that was coming out of him that was irresistible. That they just said, if he goes and they kill him, it's only him that will die. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> do you understand? But there was an aura that was coming out of his words. Something was indicating that there's something different about this fellow. That is what happens to you when you get into that point of speaking the word of God and you have believed it even though everything outside is negative. There's an aura that comes out of you that will literally make people see you in the reality of what you are saying. There's, there's that aura because it's just like saying that um, alright, all the soldiers they've tried to catch um, they've tried, hey, Kony for instance Kony and Bin Laden, they are different Kony is in the thick forest he's not like the desert where you just drop and catch somebody you have to go into the forest if you want to get him so the soldiers have gone there they've not found him so if I now say that I want to go and look for Kony and I'll get him for you now they will look at the way you are standing first and size you up and say, boy, you need mental help. <laughs> because if you look at the resources required to do that kind of a thing, then one little boy turns up, no, forget it, just forget it. It's not going to work. Hallelujah. But grace is what God has already given. And when we are exercising faith in what God has already given, we are pulling it down from the spirit realm into the physical realm. We are pulling it down into manifestation. It is already done. But I am seen in the spirit. The natural man is seen in the flesh. So he can't see the reality of what I am seeing. Let me just give you one more example before we shoot off. The prophet 
That was Elisha. Now, he was spilling the bean of some battle that was going on, you know, between the king of Syria and, you know, and, and Israel. And these guys discovered that their strategies were always being decoded. So what happened? They now found out that there was a prophet in Israel who was leaking those strategies. So they said, oh yeah, let's go fetch him. So they sent in a battalion to go fetch him. Very early in the morning, they had surrounded his house. And then the servant woke up and saw those people. These guys were armed to the teeth. And his reaction when he saw the enormity of the warfare is, alas, my master, what shall we do? And then Elisha saw them and said to him that those that are with us are more than those people you are seeing there. Now, the issue is this. For the servant to say, alas, my master, what shall we do? It meant that he saw the soldiers and nothing else. And you, of course, you should be concerned when you see that number of soldiers <laughs> surrounding your house. But then the prophet was not shaking. Just said, oh, those that are for us are more than those that are against us. So forget it. So what does that mean? It meant that the prophet was seeing something that was unseen that the servant was not seeing. And then he prayed, said, open his eyes so that he will see it. So what happened? The servant saw an open vision and saw the chariots and they wrote it down for our benefit. But before that open vision came to the servant, it was in the consciousness of the prophet that chariots of fire were surrounding that place. So he didn't need to see that open vision. The open vision came because the guy was not spiritually mature. Do you understand? One man of God that I respect a lot to the bones said that he has never seen an angel before in any of his meetings. And people say to him that we saw one angel in the last meeting we attended that you were presiding on. So it's like they came to his meeting, they saw the angel, he didn't see the angel. But yet, he believes more of the word of God than these other people. Do you understand that? Why? Because he didn't need that open vision to be assured that angels exist. He was fully conscious of angelic presence. So that was not a problem. And that was what happened to the prophet. He was fully conscious that these ones, I will deal with them in front of you now. Based on those chariots. And he went, he went out there. Oh yeah, all of you, go blind, go blind, go blind. Packed all of them away. So the prophet believed in the reality of the unseen truths that were before him more than the physical things that came to confront him. That level 
of revelation is what we are talking about here that you believe what god has already done above what has come to or confront you and harass you until you get to that level you are still you are still playing around and it's easy that is the level where god has actually put us all when paul was writing a prayer you see if you are getting old and then you will not want to write you know some like parting words you know those parting words you write will be based on the sum total of all your experiences that look this particular one pay attention to it when paul was writing to the ephesians the prayer he wrote was not a prayer for revival was not a prayer for blessing was not a prayer for healing it was a prayer for revelation do you understand it was a prayer for revelation that look what i the vision of my heart what i really feel strongly in my heart is that you people see this thing that i am seeing that as long as you see it you are fully sorted hallelujah that was his prayer that was the cry of his heart i was telling my wife today i said uh, no not today a few days back i said i am numbers agnostic for today's event as in i don't know numbers and i'm not counting numbers i switched my phone off so that nobody will call me and say sorry i'm not coming I said, but the prayer was this. Whoever comes will be fired up with God's revelation. Will be fired up with a hunger for the things of God. To the point that they will go away from here and produce strong testimonies. In their lives that is the cry of my heart that is the desire that whoever came that you are confronted with something you will go back with the Word of God and attack that thing and deal with it hallelujah once you get your testimony with it the meeting was a success That, that was the prayer. That once you get your testimony, that, that is my prayer, that Lord, in the name of Jesus, let somebody see something from your word. Let the Holy Spirit open somebody's eyes to see the reality of those chariots above the natural forces that surround them today. And once you see that reality, you walk in the consciousness. So he walked in the consciousness of that reality. Can you go to a bunch of soldiers pointing a gun at your house and walk up to them and be tapping them on the shoulder? Oh, yeah, go blind, go blind, go blind. <laughs> you must be conscious of something that we don't know about. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what we're talking about. You are conscious of the revelation of God. Hallelujah. 
And that is grace for you. What God has done. But our eyes need to be opened. Our eyes need to be opened to see the reality of it. And once we see the reality of it, don't turn back. Don't look back. Don't look left or right. When Paul received this revelation, he said, I conferred not with what? Flesh and blood. Once that revelation dawns on you, flesh and blood is out of the question. If there's no revelation, then we can be doing flesh and blood. Ah, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? But once revelation has come, flesh and blood is disconnected. Hallelujah. Flesh and blood is disconnected. And I'll just leave you with this um, parting set of words that, look, the, the word of God is the principal seed for your success. Anything you want to do, you want to raise a child, you want to get a child, you want to pursue a career, you want to study in school, anything you want to do, make sure that you find the word that is relevant to it and begin to inject it into it. And as you do that, you will see great things happen. You will see miraculous things happen. It's going to take a little time because once you begin to do that, the seed will begin to take root underneath. It will begin to take root. And once it's taking root, people cannot see it. The root is a part of the plant that we cannot see. Hallelujah. So you are confessing that word and people are looking at you and say, but we haven't seen anything. Don't worry. I'm working on something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Don't worry. I'm working on something. Those days they used to ask me, say, ah, but do you have any child yet? I said, um, work in progress. <laughs> I said, ah, depending on, you know, the way your understanding is. So if I don't want to confuse you, I just say work in progress. But if we are... <laughs> But, okay, if you are one of mine here, I'll say, ah, man, God has already done it. He's settled. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'll keep saying it. Go out of here with that consciousness that the word of God is the ultimate solution. And let me tell you something that Jesus did that you find interesting. When Satan came to him, what did he do? On the Mount of Tempt on the Temptation Day, what did he do? He answered him with what? Scriptures. Can you imagine? Jesus did not rain fire and brimstone on the devil. Jesus did not use a cloud of glory on the devil. What did he use? Scriptures. So it means that if Jesus mashed the devil with scriptures three times in one encounter, the scriptures are enough for you to deal with anything. A lot of us are not even confident enough that, okay, we're saying use the scriptures, but as you use the scriptures, you know that you already have other sidekicks. They are going to put in just to be sure that, you know, just in case this one doesn't work, you, you know, you, are, you know what I mean? 
you have it all covered. That this is a serious matter. So just in case the scripture doesn't work. Hallelujah. There is no matter that is too serious for the word of God. The word of God will leak everything. Hallelujah. Let me leave you with Peter's words. And then we'll close the service. Peter said, I mean, this was part of his um, valedictory, uh, valedictory speech. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, I read from verse 12. He says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. So he meant that he knew he was going to die soon. Do you understand? He said, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, so he knew he was going, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Remember they were there when Jesus was being transfigured. Peter was there. So he saw everything. You understand? He saw everything. He saw the power. He saw the lightning. He saw the thunder. He saw everything. Good. Then he now goes on to say, For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember that scripture we read? Hear ye him. This is my beloved son. So he was quoting that place again. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So he was talking of a personal supernatural experience with Christ. But hear what he says next. We have also... Even though he had all these supernatural manifestations, because if I had met Peter, or if most of us had met Peter, you know what we'll be asking him? So, what happened that day of transfiguration? How many clouds came? How many thunder strikes came? How did you feel? You know, we'll be asking him those questions. How did you feel when you were walking on water? You'll be asking him. But he says, look, after all these years now that I'm going, that is not the key thing. The key thing is this. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time, by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So you see, Peter is driving all of us back to the scriptures. Say, so despite all these experiences, my parting words to you is that we have a more sure word of prophecy. And those prophecies are where? In the scriptures. Did you see that? That what will last forever is the word of God. 
Evil manifestations will fail. Revivals will come and they will go. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Did you get something out of this session? Yes. Hallelujah.